Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. I'm Tiff Stevenson, comedian, actor, writer, great friend, and shoulder you can complain on. Welcome to Catharsis, the podcast where guests bring their pet peeves, major moans and list of complaints to let it all out. As well as our problems, we will also be diving into some historical rumbles and some topical spats. This week, I'm raging about something highbrow, or maybe even lowbrow. Actually, it's more nobrow. It's the 90s trend for overplucked eyebrows, which has somehow come back, tweezing them into oblivion or bleaching them out of existence. We know the 90s are back because there's been a 200% increase on Google searches for skinny brows, because what are women if we're not constantly searching for new ways to be skinny? So I'd just like to take you back for a second. For a real moment of catharsis, it's 1994, and my friend Hayley is brandishing tweezers dangerously close to my retina. And I remember the look of disappointment on her face as she said, first I'll pluck them, then I'll have to razor them because there's just so much hair. And I stare back at her wafer-thin eyebrows, and they are so high and arched, they look like the McDonald's sign. And I somehow just believe that she knows what's best for my face, which she clearly doesn't. She whips out two of my coarsest hairs, and I scream very loudly. Then a sort of intense negotiation takes place, and eventually I settle on letting her style my hair into a very high ponytail whilst plastering my baby hairs to my forehead with wet-look gel. That same summer, I also swerved her offer to cut me a, a cool fringe with her nail scissors. So suffice to say, for me, my first awful experience of tweezing eyebrows prevented me from ever going at them again. So just consider me the ghost of Christmas future here. Don't do it. Just ask any 90s woman who plucked harder than a virtuoso harp player how long she has spent rehabilitating her eyebrows since. This week, I'm joined by stand-up comedian, actor and virologist, Rialina. Hopefully by the end of this pod, she can tell me if we will go the good kind of viral. But firstly, I need to know, Ria, did you ever pluck your eyebrows in the 90s? I've never, do you know what? I have had my eyebrows waxed once and it was for a show. And because of, you know, the sensitivity of my autistic skin, 
my I ended up with what looked like herpes across the top of my forebrow. Oh, no. They just I just reacted completely to it. And they also didn't know what to do. They just looked at my face going, Oh, we've messed up, we've messed up and they desperately tried to glue the hair back in. But it no, I, I you can't touch my face. You know, like touch my face with, with uh, great care, otherwise I look like a Klingon. I was going to say great care or I might lash out but I like the fact that you went Ooh, otherwise nice. I look bad <laughs> otherwise I look I look unhinged I like, um, yeah you went pun very British you went pun and as a, as a geek I went sci-fi so. <laughs> there we go this is the section of the podcast we like to call old grudges a historical gripe for you tell me your story I'm going to try not to interrupt till the end when I may have many questions Goodness. Do you know, it was actually hard to narrow this down. I first looked at it and panicked and went, but I love everybody. And then I went, oh no, hang on a second. Um, and what I also did was I checked with my, my ex-husband and he went, oh, you have so many. Like, where do we start? He must, he, he'll, he had so much content for this podcast. So we were just talking about not being noticed uh, in high school. I was younger. I was two years younger than everyone else in my grade. Because I was moving between systems, I covered different things at different times, and also my birthdays and you know was later in the year, so just I was overall younger than people. And when we got to eleventh and twelfth grade, which is your equivalent of lower and upper sixth, I decided to do the IB, the International Baccalaureate, and this was the first time our American school had offered it. And so the only people who chose to do it were those that needed it, i.e. the European kids in the school, because we were in the Netherlands. The Americans stuck with the American system. And so what happened was this bit of a divide in junior and senior uh, grades, in our junior and senior class, where there was most of the grade was doing the APs that the Americans do, but there was about 13 of us that were doing the IB. And we all had all of our classes together. They had all of their classes together because the curriculums were different. So we get to the end of senior year, and if there's one thing I knew I wanted to do, it was go to prom. I wanted to go to prom because we'd wa- I, I actually grew up in Britain and then moved to the Netherlands uh, at the beginning of high school. And so I'd been watching all these American, you know, we all saw it. We watched the movies. Yeah. We saw the prom. I was like, I want this experience for myself. I'm in this American high school. I'm living the dream. I want to go to prom. And so the way that it worked is you have to buy a ticket to prom, and they were selling tickets you know, in, in the, in the cafeteria, whatever you go and you buy a ticket. And I went, I bought my ticket, uh, to go to prom and I didn't have anyone to go with. No one had asked me to go. Uh, nah, uh, you know what? Let's not pretend that by the end of high school where I'm two years younger than everyone else, that that was a surprise, <laughs> but I was still going to go and I was going to have the thing and the experience. And, and I wasn't, the, and I'm not the only person who was going to go solo. It wasn't like everybody else had paired off and I was the weird one on their own. People were going in groups or they might book a, you know, a limo together and, you know, it was three couples or whatever. Like it was a very loose, easy, very happy uh, situation. But I bought my ticket and um, and didn't think much more of it uh, until I got to prom. And I, and I, you know, I, I use, I, I was wearing an old dress of my mother's and my father bought me the corsage and then my dad drove me to prom, which I didn't realize was so crazy until you show up and everyone else is in limos everyone else is in limos right right and so the cool kids they've got a limo and and what happened was is the limos would drive up to the the entrance of the hotel and they had a red carpet and all the parents because the american parents knew how to do this my parents are european they didn't know how to do this european parents weren't there but the american parents were there and they'd the one limo would drive up and then the door would open and all these beautiful you know kids would come out in their beautiful tuxes and their and their dresses and they'd walk down the red carpet and in their pairs or their groups and everyone would take pictures Ooh, it's so pretty all the rest so my dad gets to the hotel and he goes to drive up and they're like, you can't go up there. And it's like, well, she's going to prom. They went, you're not a limo. 
<gasps> so he drove up to a side door. Oh, and I think it out go the side door. <laughs> Do you go to the kitchen? Tell me you didn't go to the no, kitchen. No, it was just it was just a side door. So it got me into the lobby, but I didn't get to walk the red carpet because he was in. But what the what, I think the real kicker was that I found out when I got to prom that all the other kids that were doing the IB, so it was me, you know, they'd gotten a limo together. And they hadn't asked me oh, to join no. in the limo. So they don't, those that were going, to be fair, of the 13 of us, there were definitely some kids. I th- I'm pretty sure the Finnish kid said three words, I'm not going. And that was the entire thing that he said for the entire two years that we studied with him, you know. But but those kids that did go from the IB. I bet they're together, nothing now. Go. I bet they didn't do anything with their baccalaureates. They took their baccalaureates. They went to places like Oxford and Cambridge and, and now they're all very highfalutin scientists, but that's fine. I, Here's the thing that's we all not allowed. PhDs, Listen, but... the geeks and the nerds aren't allowed to leave people out in a right? social I know, hierarchy. I mean, that was harsh to find out that I was too nerdy for the geeks. <laughs> too nerdy for the nerd group. Do you remember what you wore? Yes, because... Can I tell you the catharsis now? Is it too early for no, catharsis? No, you, you can tell us the catharsis. Okay, so I did, I mean, I'm not cheating on you, but I did do another podcast. It was before you podcasted, to be fair. Yeah, okay. uh, I did do another podcast, and they asked for a triumphant moment, something like that. And so I told them some of the, I told them some of the story of the prom. Not this bit. You got new info. This right. is new info. Okay, this is you. how. This is how. This is a premiere. This yes. is a premiere of this part of the, of the prom. I mean, the rest of it, in terms of me standing near the toilets and talking to people as they went to and from the toilet, is my way of socializing at prom. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Were you selling mints? Did you have the? Did you become that person? You had a can of hairspray. No, no, no. Just constantly pretending I was about on my way to or from the toilet so that it seemed natural that I was standing there the entire night uh, talking to people. So tell me about your moment of glory then. 20 years after prom, I can still fit into that prom dress. That's what oh, I'm saying. Yep. Yes. I tried it on recently. Dress still fits. And you've had kids. I mean, Rhea is kids. incredibly... I yeah. had a divorce. Incredibly fit. I ate my way through that divorce and then I ran <laughs> my way back to... <laughs> fitting into that dress so that's your old beef or your old grudge old, your old yeah. your old grudge but I like the fact that you've I mean it is cathartic for you to talk about it with me obviously but what I feel is quite healthy is that you obviously just moved on from it by the fact that you're very successful now so who cares that you didn't get to walk down this red carpet at the prom you've done plenty of red carpet since right done some red carpet but I'll be honest I'm you know you get to a point every adult gets to a point where they go ooh. We should have a high school reunion. Yes. And I'm at that point. <laughs> You're at that point. I'm at that point going, Everyone oh, yeah, gets to that point it. when something's happened that they can be very proud of. Yes. They go, now, now we can do it. I've invented and- the post-its. <laughs> yes. I've invented my version of the post-its. Let's go. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you for sharing something from your past. Now we move into the future, the more current future, with some topical cream. <laughs> this is where we apply some balm. <laughs> Look at that link. Don't you dare laugh at my links. I mean, do laugh because it, this podcast is funny, but still. So some stingy news story that's got you all het up. So yes, a topical story. So actually, this is really bugging me, is the fact that Senator Lindsey Graham in the States is now trying to... Uh, create a law that means that abortion cannot be done after 15 weeks in any of the 50 states. It wasn't enough that they had the Supreme Court roll back on Roe v. Wade, but now they're trying to just really bed in. So when they roll back on on Roe v. Wade, it gave the states the allowance. States, right. So it was to states. decide how yeah. much or how little So abortion. state by state, depending on where you right. are. Normally, if you're closer to the coast, you yes. can have an abortion and go swimming. The same day. Well, I mean, that's not medically recommended, but, but in theory, yes, that's, that's possible. But as, as you get further in. You know, I mean, at least it's on the coast with the salty water, so it'll, you know, <laughs> rather, than, rather than fresh water, full of algae. But uh, yeah, so state by state, you're allowed to decide how much or how little, you know, abortion uh, opportunities were available to women. Um, but now he's been trying to roll out a blanket law across all states that they all have to follow. So he's trying to make it federal. Uh, no abortion past 15 weeks. And he has been told off for it. I think some Republicans, because Republicans are now realizing in the midterms and as they're running up to the next elections, they're going, ooh, actually, we've done some damage. We've actually done some damage with our abortion stance because it turns out that only about 30% of the American population were hardcore pro-lifers anyway. Most of them, even those that do vote Republican, were like, Individual choice. Individual choice. You know, that kind of, I don't want to make that decision for you because I don't want you to To make make that decision for me. And so it hasn't been the popular choice. And here he is still just kind of digging his heels in and going, no. I mean, this is the biggest, like, kind of rollback of, you know, women's rights in America for decades, right? And we were told as well, because it was never codified in law that that Mm. would be you know it's fine we just leave it up to the states but we see what happens once you leave it I mean everyone very much plays to type I suppose don't they as to whether they're a red or a blue state as to how they've responded to the I would like to hope that at some point that certain states are going to experience a brain drain I was reading about a doctor who specializes in difficult pregnancies. She's based in Texas. And of course, one of the options to her has to be, maybe we need to end this pregnancy safely in order that we can allow you to have future pregnancies or in order that you don't have to go through the pain or in order that the child, you you know, that isn't viable, doesn't have to go through any more pain. Right. A number of reasons why. And now the, she basically was saying that the advice is, well, normally I would help you with this at this point, but we're in Texas, so I can't. And and the horror stories already already. I mean, because there's over three hundred million people in the U in the U.S. That means that what at least I don't know how many women of childbearing age, but the stories are rolling in almost daily 
as to the kind of horrific things that women are having to go through and and examples and not just choice examples where even in some of the slightly more stricter states they would have said okay well we're going to take into consideration incest we're going to take into consideration rape we're going to take into consideration age you know there was a story it was a a, a 13 year old girl who was denied i think there was a 10 year old girl Oh, a, a few months ago, there's a 10 year old girl who had to go interstate in order to get something. And then they and then what happened that was still during the whole, you know, it was just in the aftermath of it. And it was a 10 year old girl. And then the Republican or the pro-lifers that were against it and started attacking the story, started attacking the truth of it. The ver- And then it was verified. It was verified by the local police that they did have to then arrest a man for raping a 10 year old girl and just the fact that this is now where we're at we're now we're at they're going well you know they then point the finger you know they'd point the fingers at anything other than we meanwhile the clock's ticking on all of while they argue this out which is kind of like it's like real life filibustering right Mm. while they all like argue over the morality around it and the logistics and everything else the clock is ticking on these pregnant women who desperately need to have procedures life-saving procedures that's the thing it's like life-saving and and just because you are denying the right doesn't mean that people aren't still going to seek them out and they're not going to happen in really unsafe ways as they did in the 50s 60s and 70s leading up to the roe v wade decision you know classic backdoor abortion i mean dirty dancing yes dirty dirty dancing dirty dance that was the first time i think i learned maybe that or greece where I learned that being pregnant might not be a positive thing. Watching those films, Dirty Dancing mm. had the um, yeah. So she actually has she has to go to a backstreet doctor and then babies or Doctor Houseman has to come and help her. Yes, to come and help Penny out because because it went wrong. Yeah. and I remember watching that as a child, not fully understanding it, but realizing that that something had happened to her as a woman. Yes, and that it was really scary. Yeah, that it really scared me. Yeah. In fact, for years I had nightmares about childbirth and I, I must have been about childbirth and it wasn't until I had my first kid that I stopped having those nightmares. And it was always me going down, you know those those slides that you have in a park, they're like tubes as a kid yeah. and they go around in, yes. a, in, a, in a spiral. So it was me always in one of those slides, but it would get narrower and narrower and narrower. And then there's people behind you and you can't, like you have to go through, you know, you're stuck at right. the end of this very narrow tunnel. And then I had a baby and they stopped. They stopped. Were you, and trying, to, were you trying to give birth to yourself? I'm trying to yeah, work out. Yeah, that's deep and meaningful, isn't it? I just put it down to a fear. I had an extreme fear of childbirth. Yeah. As yeah. a result of not being educated well, enough the imagery, about things. The imagery is, is quite obvious there, isn't it? Yeah, and, <laughs> it, and it was actually, even though you saw nothing in Dirty Dancing, it was actually quite graphic. Yes. They really communicated how in peril she was and how close to... you know danger she was i mean i feel it's cathartic for us to talk about it it's also frustrating i suppose because it feels like what can we do the catharsis for us as female comedians i suppose is talking about it and i've talked about it a lot you've talked about it we just have to keep shouting about it Mm. and having our voices heard and normalizing that women need these procedures um and that they're life-saving and you know i think what we haven't talked about enough though is and i think this would be quite cathartic is if we could also discuss what sorts of things we could limit in terms of men's medical access uh, yeah sure in order that they also can suffer in a similar way (laughs) yeah because it's always we're focusing so much on women's rights but really i think men need restrictions they do need restrictions. They do. I'll talk about this in my current show, but they do because at 90 years old, Bernie Eccleston had his seventh child. 
90 years old. He had his seventh child. How old um, was the wife? I think she was in her f- early 40s. Oh, but I'm like, well, you've, you've already got you've already got six in the bag. We're overpopulated. Come off Well, they it, weren't mate. in the bag. They were out of the bag. <laughs> they're out they? of the bag. <laughs> or come on something else. Just not, you know, like I just feel like we, men keep going. That's the point. We naturally stop. Yes. Um, and we sense. can only have one a year anyway, right? And there's a point where that stops happening for us, but men can keep going into triple digits. What we need is a male contraceptive pill. And then the instant you say that, men are like, no way, I don't want the mood swings. Deal with it. Uh, you've got to have, you've got to go on the experimental drugs that we all took for years. Yes. <laughs> so that you didn't have the responsibility of parenthood. I was thinking the one thing that might tempt me back into science is if they said we are investigating something that could save the planet, but it can only be grown in male bodies. And they're just going to have to. They're just going to have to help us grow this compound or this protein, you know, and and, and it's going to grow in, you know, you know how many men have those big pot bellies? Yes. What are they doing with that? Let's take yeah. that over. Let's grow something green for the planet. All right. Yes. And they have no choice about it. Yes. And that's where I think, and we'll start with, and we can you tell know, them whether they can keep whatever they're growing for the planet or not. Or whether they have well, to we're get just going to say, look, it, it takes nine months to grow it. Okay. It's a new polymer. It's recyclable. It's biodegradable. It, you know, it runs mobile phones and you're just going to have to, sorry, you don't have a choice. All right. If you have a pot belly, then that's, that's growing in your, we need to start policing men. In fact, yeah. Bring back man police. That was a hashtag out on Twitter for a little while. Let's bring it back. You know, policing men like going, should men over 40 wear skinny jeans? You know, can uh, I don't think it's can about single age. men I don't be think good age. dads? I think it's... Can single men be good dads? You know, these kind of judgments, like a, a post vasectomy photo shoot. You know, like you know, like when we do post giving birth, women have to lose all this weight and be sexy again immediately. Oh, about a post vasectomy shoot. And stand outside shoot. the hospital holding their own child, even though they just gave birth within 24 hours, like yes. Princess Kate did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've, I thought she was going to give birth to five miles of bunting. You know, that kind of like fevered, jingoistic sense outside the hospital. There are people doing cervix updates. I remember that. I remember there was someone from Sky News going, she's this many centimetres dilated. And I was like, no. Not appropriate. Yes. That's awful. We've, we've been told she's this many centimetres dilated. Insane. Um, okay. And that, for, by the way, can I just say, yes. in, the, in, in the name of balance, that is one of the things I actually really respect Meghan Markle for, of going... You want me to have birth where? You want to do what with my... No, I'm having my own childbirth. And she did. She went and she she had Archie behind closed doors and we didn't know when and we didn't know where. And a couple of days later when she was ready, she came out and went, okay, I've had the baby and here it is. Yeah. But she quite rightly put her foot down and went, no, I am not a breeding horse yes. for the royal this is, family. This is one of the most intimate and personal and, you know, moments in my life and it's not for you. <laughs> Up next, it's unpopular opinion time. <laughs> Yay! Bring it. Hit me. Something that you love that everyone else hates or something that you hate that everyone loves and you just don't understand why I'm here for your unpopular opinion. I don't like music playing in the background ever. Ooh. Not even ever. if you're getting Not down to it. No. What? <laughs> what? If you were sexy times. With music? Yeah. I'd start singing I mean, you in the middle the- of it. That would be, I would just be like, oh, wait, I like this song. Hang on. Stop, stop, stop. Ooh, you turn it up. M- turn it up. You know, you I'd be like, I'd be bouncing. To would the- it affect your rhythm? Is that what you're <laughs> saying? <laughs> yes. No, I can't even begin to imagine it during sex. No, just generally. No, but then you're just the left with the noises of sex. Like there's no like ambient. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of the, uh, 
I hate that. Right, right. So, so that, oh. imagine, imagine you just had some sweet jams playing in the background, <laughs> so that this is covered over, um, or just any kind of squelching noises. So no one told you life was going to be this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that in the background, sometimes like people have it to like, you know, the classic Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. You know, or a bit of Barry White. I mean, it's not the eighties. I don't know. Whatever you play, you know, just some sweet tracks. That I'll be are honest. Not- like I could, I could probably, I could. What's the word? Compromise in that situation. But when you're in the car and you're talking, why is there something on in the background? Are you either listening to music or you're talking? Especially people who put talk radio on and then talk over it. And the, okay, yeah, oh, that's that. mad. A podcast oh. or talk radio and conversation is never going to happen. And even if a podcast is like playing in the car. And I'm in the car. If I want to say something about the podcast to the person I'm with, then it gets Pause. paused. You yeah, have to pa- gets yes. paused. Pause. What about a party? What is everyone just, are people just mumbling in corners? Well, <laughs> I no, I, I get that. But I understand a little bit of ambiance. But you know, this is the other problem. You put the music on and you start at seven or eight o'clock and the music is on in the background and it's quite quiet, you know, and it's fine and it's not too distracting because I find it, 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 the words will distract. But why is it when you are out somewhere, does the music get louder and louder and louder over the course of the evening? Why? Why, why does can't it get louder? It stay? Because I think the voices, I think they compete. So I think once there's more people, the room gets louder. So then the music has to get louder. Well, I, I just... I don't, I, I think you could just leave, I think that it's the leave other the way around. Music People consistent. talk louder. Because right. I come home with sore throats after hanging out yes. in a pub or a bar because the music got louder and louder Then we have to talk louder and louder and then I you do, end up damaging what we use for a living. I did find myself during the fringe this year, I was so middle-aged, I would go up into the loft bar and I would sit and then I was like, I'm under a speaker and I was that person going, can we just turn this down? Because yes. we're trying to have a conversation. I applaud you. Know, you. And I applaud you. I, I feel like in bars, I was like, people go in bars to so it's not a club. Yeah. I hate when the music is club level loud in a bar or a restaurant. You're in a restaurant and you're like, exactly. I'm in a restaurant. Why am I hearing like... And, and they'll change to clubby music at 10 o'clock and you go, no, no, no. We're still in a restaurant. We're still in a restaurant. We're, we're still, still trying still... to have nice conversation. Yeah. This doesn't make my tiramisu any nicer. No, have, if anything. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your unpopular opinion with me. We're going to go back in time for historical beefs. She's got Betty Davis eyes, in which case she should probably give them back. This week, we're looking at the rivalry between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Now, this is a long-running feud that went on over decades between two of Hollywood's Biggest, brightest, shining stars, starting in 1933. So we'll go back. I'll, I'll, I'll read you through some of the key points of the of the battle between Betty and Joan. Betty Davis uh, was early in her career. Joan Crawford was already a star. So established at this point, she was starring in a comedy and it was the first time her name was going to feature above the title of it. And so Warner Brothers had planned this elaborate publicity campaign announcing Betty Davis' new phase of stardom And on the same day they were about to do this, Joan Crawford announced that she was divorcing her first husband, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. So that happened. It was announced. The New York Times then just ran a tiny little paragraph on Betty Davis' film and uh, all of the news that was all over the newspaper. So it's this is shady as fuck, basically, um, because not only did she like announce her divorce on the day that 
that, that this was like Betty Davis' big career moment. Two years later, Joan marries the man that Betty is in love with. Davis was working on a film called Dangerous and said, I fell in love with Franchot Tone professionally and privately. Everything about him reflected his elegance from his name to his manners. I mean, Tone, for me, doesn't sound like a classy name. That sounds like a geezer down the pub who sells knockoff fragrance. Wait, that's his first name? It's his it surname. Tone. He's, You're going to bring me a meatball sandwich, Tone? Tone, okay. yeah. You, yeah. Bring, you bring me the meatball sandwich. Yeah, good. Yeah. You're so, a good guy, Tone. Tone is, uh, Tone is, in New York, Tone is this guy, right? Yeah, that is, in that, New York, that's Tone, tone is. is. That's tone, tone is. Tone is a, Tone or a Polly. That's a Sopranos, right? That's a New York. Yeah. So hang on a second, though. Just to, just to, you know, someone has to stand in Joan's corner for now. Yes. Just because Betty Davis is in love with Tone doesn't mean that Tone is in love with Betty Davis. Well, this is true. This is true. She's doing a film with him. It sounds to me like Betty has an infatuation. So, mm. uh, Franchot Tone. Tone is his surname, but I, I, I'm agreeing with us just calling him Tone. So, she's making a movie with him, but unfortunately, Crawford got to him first, and they announced their engagement during the filming of Dangerous. And Betty Davis said he was madly in love with her. So, that's not Joan's fault, right? This man doesn't want you, Betty. He's just not that into you. He's into Joni. He's into Joni. They met each day for lunch. He would return to the set, his face covered in lipstick. I love this. I love that the 1930s and 40s women would mark men like a cat pissing on its territory. Like mine. Like the idea, I kind of like to think she did that on purpose. That is super catty to just like send someone back covered in lipstick marks all over, you know, the collar, his face, you know. Do you know what makes it even worse is the fact that in the black and white movies, in order to, they didn't use red lipstick, they would use dark colors like a black because that, you know, because it's black showed and white, up and black, so it really right. showed up better. So he came back just covered in bruises. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. That is an interesting fact. Okay. Basically, he's met her. He's in love with her. And also, she was a huge star. So that was one of the things that was like, he was flattered by the attention from mm. a star as huge as, as Joan, right? While working you know. with the starlet, Betty Davis. Betty Davis did win an Oscar, though, for her performance in Dangerous. And uh, well, it obviously fueled her, didn't it? Yeah, Joan Crawford still managed to upstage her, so that when she took her Oscar, so the beef has got gotten larger. She refused to turn around when she received the Oscar, which is like the 1930s style Will Smith incident, right? So Betty gets up, so it's her moment. She's winning the Oscar. Of course, Joan's at the Oscars, yes, because she's a star. Yes, she's there with Tone. Yeah, and uh, she when when Betty goes to collect her award, she just faces away from the stage, which I think is shade, but quite classy shade. You think that's <laughs> sh- I think it just makes her look stupid. Do you I think? mean, you think about it today. You you getting an award, and I'm sitting there, and I don't like you. And in front of, I mean, it wasn't televised, though, was it? No, I don't but think still, it was. Still, it's televised now. If I was to sit there and just go, oh, and turn my face away, I look the idiot. Chris yes. didn't look the idiot. Will Smith looked the, the idiot. idiot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Joan's going to look petty. But I feel like she was saying, this is beneath me. It's beneath me to watch this. So it's kind of, I guess she thought she was being sort of classy while she was doing it. She um, should have just gone to the loo. Honestly, mm. she should have been like, oh, what did I miss? Oh, no, did I miss it? You know? Next, the feud moves on. The same year, Joan Crawford made her move to Warner Brothers from rival studio MGM and demanded the dressing room adjacent to Betty Davis, who had been at Warner Brothers for a decade. Now, at this point, you've got to think that what what is Joan doing here? Like, it feels like she doesn't want to squash this kind of feud. She just wants it to continue, right? It really feels like it's 100% Joan and 0% Betty. 
Right. Because what has Betty done? Betty's had her movie listed. And then Joan's like, I'm getting divorced. And then Betty's like, oh, he's quite cute. And Joan goes, I'm marrying him. <laughs> and then Betty, and, and then the, the whole community goes, Betty, we thought you did really well in that. And she went, well, I don't think you did well. Like, it's all Joan. So it is all on Joan. However, at this point, she tries to bring calm it all down. She sends her gifts and flowers, all of which were returned. So she's like, no. But at this point, wouldn't you? You yeah. would, would you at this point. So not only has this woman like plagued your career, she's now moved in next door to you unnecessarily. <laughs> like you stay the over at MGM. Neighbor. I'll be here. At, was it Warner Brothers? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why are you coming onto my turf? It was Joan Crawford who apparently persuaded Betty Davis to sign on to Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, the psychological horror story about crippled former actress Crawford was terrorized by her deranged sister Davis in their Hollywood home. Apparently, Betty Davis only agreed to sign on to it on two conditions, that she played the title role of Jane mm. and that the film's director uh, assured her that he was not sleeping with Crawford, with Joan Crawford. So Robert Aldrich, so she's... Imagine coming onto a project. Imagine we got like a thick, like a panel show called yeah. up. And I, and I was like, listen, uh, Tiff's already attached to this. And you're like, I'm only coming on if she's not fucking... The direct. The yeah, but I get that as well because what if I said to you, okay, we're going to do a project. It's going to be you, me, and the director, and we're going to work quite closely because it's just the two of us in the film. Yes, that is it. How would you feel if the entire time we're working, I'm there having extra eyes on the director, and we have our little moments, and then we're well, going to get all time. the best scenes. You're going to get all the best scenes. You're going to get preferential treatment. Yeah, you're going to exactly. have sex and, and with every, no music playing in the background whatsoever. <laughs> no, the way it should be, as God intended. Yeah, but every lunchtime you'll be like, do you want to go for lunch? And I'll be like, oh, I can't. The director and I have extra lines to work on. Oh, here we go. She says, it wasn't that I cared about his private life or hers. I didn't want him favoring her with more close-ups. Yep. And then she gave her the character that's in the wheelchair so that all you can do is close-ups. <laughs> Yes, yeah, we're not doing the long shots. In 1964, there was supposed to be a a sequel to Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, and Joan ditches it. A spiritual sequel of sorts. It was called Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, and Crawford dropped out after a week and a half of filming, claiming she was feeling unwell but still reeling from the indignities of Baby Jane and felt at risk of being upstaged by Davis again. What that says to me is this entire thing is that Joan has just felt threatened by someone else who's come into the business. And I get that. I mean, mm. if we can get any catharsis out of this, it's that women are set up to compete with each other in mm. the entertainment industry. The kind of system has set up to sort of enable this. And it looks like Joan has bought into it completely. Well, I think she must have felt threatened back in the 30s when Betty Davis was coming up. But she was threatened and turned on at the same time, which is a very weird combo to isn't it must be strange to be like oh i don't like you but i'd fuck you threatened and turned on is the mo of many a serial killer i believe well i think it's well it's the mo of of many a predator weinstein do we think this rivalry is a product of its time you know like the degrees to which it was kept going was it good for the sales of the films were there people behind the scenes pulling strings in Hollywood going, saying to Joan, you've got to do this because she's on your tail, you know? Like, it's almost like All About Eve played out, which is Betty Davis, right? Yes. Which is about the sort of young ingenue coming through and becoming her. 
So she's helping someone and then all of a sudden this she creates a monster that I tries to eat her. No, I genuinely think it's all in Joan's head. I think Joan perpetuated this. As we know from Mummy Dearest, she was a little unhinged herself anyway. And I think that she had enough power at the beginning of the feud. I mean, the fact that she had enough power to announce a divorce and have that be the front page headline and the Betty Davis movie be reduced to three or four lines in the corner tells you what power she was wielding to begin with and she continued to wield that and she used the feud to keep herself afloat yes and and we Unrelevant. do still see that today i we mean look at wagatha christie i mean that is yet another <laughs> it is she, wagatha christie is the modern day whatever that happened the to baby day, and that's all that is it's just two women keeping keeping themselves afloat in one way or the other by having i think a, a we feud. should should we start a very public feud then just see what it does for our careers. I think so, but we have to start the. We have to do a show together first. Right. We have to okay. have the, people have to see us together. Yeah, people have to see us to together, fight. and then we have to fight. We have to fight. Yeah. Okay. Good. Or, right. ca- or, but no, you no. Know, this no. This is not cathartic. No. <laughs> and you know, no. And cathartic would be why. just we do a show together, and it's hugely Full stop. successful. Yes. Thank you. Like Ant and Deck, who have been on our televisions for 70, 80 years now. <laughs> Millennia. Together. They've been on the TV for millennia together. together. And I think, where where's the women doing that? Yeah. Where's the, well, it could be us, Rhea. I think it, and I think it. it will be us. Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, you know what Maybe to do. Maybe you and I should be the next um, hosts of Love Island or something. We'll do we it should. together. Yes, we'll host Love Island together. Mm. Yeah, because all the hosts are like dropping out now, aren't they? They are. They are dropping out. Um, apparently, it's a really hard job and nobody wants it. We uh, know about love and we know about islands. I know about, I, I, and I know the anatomy of a man and there's a lot of that on that show. <laughs> <laughs> we have a listener problem sent in that would like help from the angry aunts. Okay. And uh, this is from someone called... God hates yeast. And he says, the burritos come out of my microwave too hot. I think it's plotting against me. Please help. There's there's some, maybe some science here. We can get angry at the microwave. I think actually angrymicrowave.com is an Edinburgh fringe review site. So maybe they've sent that in. Really? Yes. Angry microwave. Is that a thing? Yeah. They gave me like four and a half stars one year. So I put it on my poster. Why are we assuming that the microwave is angry versus, I mean, because what I'm assuming is happening is that God hates yeast is reading the instructions on the burrito pack. Yes. Following those instructions. Yeah. And then they're coming out too hot. So either the instructions are wrong for the power of the microwave you should we get angry at? We need to get angry at someone. I feel like is it the product? Is it whoever's written the instructions on the side of the box that's just goddamn wrong? Is it the microwave that doesn't clear? I'm okay. So you know what? I am going to get angry at the microwave because I'm going to argue. Let's presume that he's read the instructions correctly, or they they have read the instructions correctly. Let us presume that the instructions have been trialed on different microwaves of varying powers. But how many times have you looked at a microwave and not been able to tell what its power is because it's not clearly stated? on the front what's the wattage what is what's the wattage? The is it what's 600 is it 800 i don't know i don't know and even and then some of them blows my mind are 700 and i'm going that's not on the box the box says 600 or 800 but it doesn't say 700 and then they go we'll just mathematically split it in half but it doesn't work that way it just doesn't work that way and that's why they're coming out too hot yes thank you we are angry at the microwave on your behalf can i say i have seen 600 or 900 and then i've seen thousand watt microwaves they're bringing thousand watt up in this mother 
Oh, really? I've seen 800s. Mother heater. 800s. You've seen 800s. 800s, but the boxes don't... Generally, microwaves should be so user-friendly and they're very difficult to work out. And people were talking about using microwaves for the cost of living crisis, like cook more in a microwave. Microwave is very complicated. I still... The only thing I can work out how to do on mine is open the door and then increase it in 30-second intervals. I don't That's know how to... That's all do. I don't know it's how exactly to... it. You open it... You, I don't know what all the... I don't know what the fish sign means. The defrost. What does the fish sign mean? I don't mean? know what the fish sign means i don't know i does don't mean, know how to does defrost. it mean I've does it mean this microwave believes in god is that what the fish, the fish sign one. Is? Yeah. if i push the fish button and i don't get loaves as well i am disappointed <laughs> i'm disappointed and 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 i do, i've never been able to use the defrost function to actually defrost anything when i need to defrost a piece of bread i just put it in the normal microwave with a piece of paper towel to catch all the water well, I if I want to defrost some, would, have I used the oven to defrost? Do I leave it out and then maybe go in the oven? I think if I've ever tried to defrost anything, all I end up with is like a boiling hot inside of something, and yeah. then the outside is still frozen. So goddamn these it cooks microwaves! From the middle, I know because it, it innervates the, the water molecules and it cooks from the inside outwards, and also it cooks unevenly as well because they just ping around the microwaves just ping around inside and just go ping 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 and you never know what it hits so it's not even doing it evenly but that's why it has to turn in order that it do can they hold. all rotate though i don't even know if my microwave not if they're rotates. broken but it's supposed to rotate in order that as these microwaves just randomly ping on the inside that the, that the food has a hope has a hope of being somewhat uniformly heated through but that's also why they warn you never cook baby food in the microwave because it'll have hot pockets and then you'll just like burn your baby's mouth you have to always stir it stir it to like spread the heat i'm so sorry uh, and you can't stir a burrito yeah you can't stir a burrito i'm so sorry god hates yeast i'm sorry about your burritos um and listen it depends where you are i don't, where is let's see if i can find out where he's it's in yeast. america so you can get listen you don't want to microwave your burritos you want to go and get them from a stand you want to, there's so many great street food carts oh, in, yeah, all over yeah. like burritos and tacos especially if you're in la they are you know, the best. All but. along the South, in fact, all those Southern states are along to Texas. I mean, yeah, definitely. You want your burritos out the side of a truck. Yeah. yeah. Get, go get some of those fresh burritos. You're going to have to knock Because we can't fix the microwaves. We can get angry at them. And I hope we've done that on your behalf. Ria, thank you for coming on the podcast. Do you have pleasure. anything to plug? Just me. If you could find me online and follow me, that'd be great. Ria put some great clips up on Instagram and TikTok. So, yes, go, so go if find either of those, those are your jam. If you're on Twitter and you would like to see some of my videos, then let me know and I'll put some up. Thank you so much for coming on the pod, Ria. And uh, I hope that you feel better having got some of that off your chest. I do. Thanks, Ria. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.